0: For the Irish at the timeout. Williams right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Well, low snap. Picked it up. Takes an end zone shot. Hand fighting. But Kimberly goes up and gets it. And it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Urbach.
1: All right, welcome in to another edition of the Golden Homers podcast. Uh, you know, it's been a crazy week. I, I could only imagine how some of the coaches are are, uh, are feeling right now and getting, you know, just sleep-wise and stuff like that because I felt like, you know, even this past week, I, I, felt my, I felt like I was checking Twitter and stuff like that almost 24 hours. And, you know, I think it was Reese that mentioned, you know, the idea that a minute – feels like an hour and hours feel like days and so on and so forth and you know obviously rambling to start this show a little bit but I have I do have my co-host here uh Mason Plummer um and we're going to go ahead and kind of you know with the with a week sort of um you know gone since we were able to you know since the news broke that Kelly was going to LSU and there's been a lot of you know carousel or, or coaching carousel around you know just the uh the whole um national or uh, college football landscape uh, which is even crazier to think about. I, I haven't seen this in my lifetime. It feels like, but um, but yeah, Mason. You know, <laughs> it's it's been a crazy week. I know you were in Mexico, but you know you were sort of listening from there and and following everything and stuff like that. But uh, what are just some of your thoughts after being able to listen to this um, or, or see how all this kind of processed over the last week or so?
0: Yeah. Well, shout out to you and a couple other people for keeping me in the loop. I didn't always have the best connection in Mexico, but of course I was on vacation Mexico. So always a good time. out uh, we were down in Cancun uh living it up down there in the Mexican weather as compared to the weather in south Bend, Indiana is two extremes. It's real nice there and then you know I come back to the to the sleet essentially, some rain, uh snow, freezing cold, but yeah, it was an awesome week. Um I I do wish that this this news could have waited a week so I could have just been down there stress free, but these things happen, I guess and uh yeah, I, uh, I was kind of checking Twitter here and there, trying to still enjoy my time in Mexico. But you know, uh, Notre Dame news uh, doesn't wait for anybody, so kept up with everything the best I could. Overall, just really crazy, not knowing what was going to happen, and you know, just trying to relax on the beach without thinking about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a uh, it's been a crazy week, like you said. It, I can't remember a time where the coaching carousel has been like this and so many shock moves. We saw the Lincoln Riley. Like, wow. When are we seeing something like this? And then just short after Brian Kelly up and leaves too. So uh, we'll get, we'll definitely break down that whole move, what it means for Notre Dame LSU, the college football landscape, but yeah, definitely uh, one of the craziest weeks in college football, maybe, maybe college football history. We're going to look back on this in a couple of years, I'm sure, and see the ramifications of it as far as, you know, coaching, as far as, you know, how programs, Move forward. How how it affects recruiting? You and I are big recruiting guys, so we love this kind of thing. And uh, man, it just has such huge impact on on these programs, especially Notre Dame, where you know a a couple recruits staying or leaving can impact your program for years down the road. And we're gonna learn the fate of some some Notre Dame guys here soon. And man, it's just so many so many storylines to follow. We haven't even mentioned the bowl game yet, so uh, a lot's gonna happen in between. Uh, now and when Notre Dame plays its next game January 1 against Oklahoma State I'm excited for it
1: yeah like you know like you said it's essentially going to be a really loaded podcast for us today with with uh, us sort of getting all of this in in one podcast I know a lot of other Notre Dame people have have had some emergency pods over the last couple weeks have had you know multiple podcasts just to kind of get everything out but we're going to try to get this to you guys within hopefully an hour (laughs) and then get on with our days um, or nights, but, um, you know, if, if you were living under a rock, um, and, and didn't hear a lot of the news and you happen to listen to our podcast, um, you know, obviously it started with Lincoln Riley going from, you know, Oklahoma to, to USC. And then all of a sudden, you know, news broke the next day or whatever, that LSU was, was at least talking to Kelly or trying to get him. And it didn't seem at first as, or it didn't, it didn't seem at first that, that, you know, Kelly would leave, um, and I, I know me and you kind of poo-pooed the idea, you know, in, in group chats and stuff like that. And, um, and then all of a sudden later that night, it was announced that Kelly was leaving for LSU. And it was a, a big shock at the time just because Kelly has been in Notre Dame for, for 12 years. And it, it just at this point in his career, it didn't feel he didn't feel like a guy that would leave for, for greener pastures, I guess, is kind of the way it seems on his end. Um, whether we agree with that or not, that that's what it feels like, um, at least from his thought process. Um, you know, and then now now you have, uh, you know, Florida. The Florida job was open as well, and and Napier from I think it was Louisiana Lafayette. Um, you know, is, is there? So that's a, that was another big time opening. You had, you know, the the craziness with uh, with Oregon and in Miami with Mario Cristobal and Manny Diaz essentially. Them courting Cristobal while Manny Diaz was still under contract, and then effectively firing Manny Diaz today, um, and, and hiring Cristobal. So those were two big openings as well. And it's just been like, like you said, Mason. It's just you know, and, and you know, I, I kind of echoed those thoughts as well. the The amount of disquality jobs that have opened, um, you know, obviously now Venables is the Oklahoma's law. Well. I didn't mention that they that that became official, I believe, last night. So not only are a lot of big na- big jobs open, but a lot of big names are moving around. Like, obviously, Riley was a big name in Oklahoma, a young coach. You know, Kelly, the way he was at Notre Dame and, the, and what he built at Notre Dame moving to LSU was big. Venables has been a guy that's been rumored for big-time jobs, you know, over the last probably decade, honestly. And, you know, finally goes back to his roots at, at Oklahoma, where he was, you know, where he was for a long time prior to joining Dabo Sweeney um, at Clemson. And then, of course, obviously Mario Cristobal with the shakeup um, in the Pac-12 after Riley gets there. You know that that kind of who knows where Oregon's going to go from here because they were sort of the class of the of the Pac-12 to an extent. Um, I mean, Utah is kind of in in the wings, and we know USC is not going to be down for long, regardless of their coach, and they're they're going to have good seasons and so on. And you know, Washington also replacing Jimmy Lake um d- during this carousel so who knows where the Pac-12 goes from here but but Cristobal to Miami certainly makes the ACC um interesting um, and there's already been a lot of talk about his recruiting chops so that, that could maybe hurt Notre Dame's chances in Florida but that you know that's I guess that's neither here or there during this conversation but but again I mean just just in that whole like two minute rant of mine you know there was you just saw how many how many coaches big, na- big name coaches left at for for other jobs, and then how many, you know, two two really, really good defensive coordinators get promoted into better roles, or, or at least hired into other roles, if you're talking about Venables, um, and it's just, yeah, it's been a really interesting <laughs> uh, week, and, and maybe a college football week that we don't see for a while, um, but at the same time, maybe it's also one of those things that's going to turn into a trend, I and mean, maybe next year, we see Clemson open up, we see you know, what, what other, other jobs open up and it just kind of continues this uh, um, new age of, of college football coaching <laughs> maneuvering.
0: Yeah, totally could be. And uh, as long as it doesn't involve Notre Dame, unless it's a good thing, I'm cool with it. because I do find it really entertaining, but when it happens to be the team that I follow very closely, it's, it uh, becomes a little bit stressful, but all in all, I think Notre Dame, I mean, well, I guess we'll see here soon, but I think Notre Dame won in, in, a, in a sense where, the program gets younger. the The ceiling to me has improved. Um, hearing Freeman today talk about we'll get into the press conference, but hearing him talk about recruiting has had me pumped. You know, we were lighting up the group chat. His comments about recruiting and uh, how he he wants to be the number one recruiter on the staff, as if he wasn't already. But he's just saying that you're not going to work under him. You're not going to be an analyst, uh, coordinator, whatever, unless you're willing to recruit at a high level. And that's a that's a breath of fresh air for. Notre Dame, who has already been recruiting at a, at a good level, but it, it could get even better. And we're going to see that reach new heights. I have a good feeling about that as far as Freeman and his recruiting chops go. So, yeah, a crazy weekend in, in college football. And um, it, it's starting to come to an end, at least for Notre Dame, with the official press conference today, which, uh, all things considered, went really well. Uh, some alumni, some players there, Swarbrick, Father Jenkins. So that was super cool to watch, Nathan. Uh, you got to watch that as well, I think?
1: Yeah, yeah, I watched it live. and. Um, like you mentioned, I mean, a breath of fresh air is a really good way to describe that. I think I put that actually in, <laughs> in a message board comment, uh, either yesterday or today, just the way Freeman speaks specifically. Um, he brings sort of a, a breath of fresh air to, to Notre Dame and a, maybe a coolness factor um, as well, which I think maybe isn't being spoken about enough. I mean, Notre Dame is always kind of seen as this like boring, like, okay, ca- Catholic academics, you know, the, the guys that really want to win national championships or, or, you know, or play for, like, these programs that are, are cool, like they have the hot girls or whatever. You, whatever you want to throw in there is, like, <laughs> maybe not to go to Notre Dame. Um, and, again, I'm not saying that Notre Dame doesn't have some of those things, um, you know, specifically. But, you know, it, it's just, like, one of the, those, those negative recruiting tactics that always seem to go against Notre Dame um, d- don't seem to be as prominent uh, after after Freeman was officially announced just with you know he's he's youthful he's to be I mean without getting too much into race here he's he's a young black guy and I think that that that, that ha, that's going to have an effect on on recruits um, you know at the high school levels you know and and kids that want to play for a coach like that um, you know because to be completely honest there probably isn't enough enough of that. In, in college football right now. You still see these, you know, these old white guys all over the place. And I, I think absolutely having a young, you know, guy that a lot of these recruits feel like they can relate to, um, you know, not only on a football level, but on a personal level is going to help Notre Dame um, more than it's going to hurt. Um, and so it, it's exciting. And, you know, we'll get way more into this, you know, as this podcast goes on, but you know one of the biggest things, and i want I really like you I really would like your opinion on this, Mason, and then I'll go after is just the idea that, you know, if you would have asked me three months ago if Kelly leaving Notre Dame would have been a good thing, I probably would have said no, even with the idea in my head that, you know, Freeman or whoever would have gotten the job probably would have been a really good head coach. And we've talked about this a lot just the fact that Notre Dame is just in a really, really, really good place right now overall. And that's a testament to Kelly. Um, you know, he had some, you know, he had some negatives. He was, I guess, quote unquote, somewhat of a lazy recruiter. I think he was a good recruiter when he wanted to be.
0: Um, when he wanted to be is the key word. Exactly. And for key phrase. Yeah, right. And,
1: you know, but, but he, but he certainly came in in 29, 2009 or 2010, whenever his official announcement was, you know, and coached Notre Dame for 12 years, brought the program to what it, what it is. And I just never thought I'd be in a place where I was like almost saying thank you to him for, for leaving when he did, because I, even last, even last week um, when the news broke and we were hopping on the podcast with Ashton Pollard of, of on three sports we were all like, okay, well, we don't know if Freeman's going to be the guy yet. We think he will be just based on what we were seeing already. But there was just this, you know, you just didn't know. And even and even guys like Freeman and Tommy Reese specifically have talked about that over the last, you know, several days where it was just a whirlwind of emotions. Like no one – I think it was on the uh, Inside Garage podcast with with uh, Kyle Hamilton a lot and a couple other Notre Dame players. You know, they were saying we had no idea what was going to happen and that was kind of scary. Um, but now that it's sort of the dust has settled, um, again, it's just, it's one of those things where you, just, you never really felt like Kelly leaving in the way that he did, I should say, um, without, you know, Freeman essentially being named the head coach and waiting prior to it. You never really felt that it would be, it would be turned into such a positive so quickly.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's a wild scenario that it, that it happened to, to come out this way. And, you never doubted that Freeman would, would get it together at Notre Dame. I think he had a little bit of a rough start, but I think anybody will in terms of, uh, you know, establishing their system and and things of that nature. So um, Freeman is on track to build something great. And I think a lot of the, the Kelly hate, hatred maybe, maybe that's a strong word, but the way that he went out wasn't ideal, right? I think everybody can agree on that. But I think that it's important to note what he did for the program you mentioned 2009 2010 whenever he was officially announced um the program was not in a good spot and kelly was the hot name and he came in and built the program to be something that was it's kind of unimaginable when you think back to that time uh, i was only nine or ten years old at the time but i remember thinking like man like the the football team that that i support they aren't very good so this isn't very fun because I, I would hear my my grandparents talk about oh you know Notre Dame back in the you know 70s 80s 90s always title contenders and I was like well what do you guys t- I don't know what you guys are talking about because that's not what I'm seeing so uh, and to bring Notre Dame to a national championship game to playoffs and maybe he did reach his ceiling maybe he wanted a new challenge whatever it is uh, the way he the way he left wasn't right uh, everybody can agree on that he might I guess he did tell you that. Uh, it, when he kind of spoke about his exit from Notre Dame, that it wasn't the right way to do it. And that left a sour taste in the mouth of just about everybody. But uh, Notre Dame's into a new wave now, a new exciting one that, well, it's going to be super interesting to to follow. Um, Freeman's going to have his flaws. Everybody thinks he's perfect at the moment. And he's done everything just about perfect so far. But we'll, we'll see some flaws soon. And hopefully they just aren't big ones. But, I uh, mean, the, the press conference today was awesome. It had me juiced for sure.
1: I think that's kind of an important thing to note is there's just been this idea, like, obviously me and you are, are, are very excited about this thing that's been obvious with our social media um, and people that we've spoken with and so on and so forth. And a lot of the fans and the players and the, you know, the coaching staff and whoever the, the media around Notre Dame, I think there's this general consensus that it was the right hire and a good hire, but, you know, going go into your point on the, the struggles and just different things like that. I mean, it, I had and I someone tweeted, tweeted me this and it and it and it was really weird because it was like he was like, well, then he can't lose the bowl game and he can't lose to Ohio State if, if you're talking like this. And I'm like, well, what when did I ever say that there wouldn't be struggles? You know, when, right. did, when did anybody say that this was going to be the you know, a home run hire or a or, or a really terrific hire doesn't mean that there won't ever be downfalls. You know, there's probably going to be, you know, if like, for example, Notre Dame could go nine and three next year, and I could still feel the same way. And I think that they've sort of bought themselves that, even though I think that the program is at this four level right now where, you know, they're not going to go six and six and stuff like that. But, you, but when you do hire a head coach that's never been a head coach before who's 35 years of age granted like I said me and you both love the hire and think that he's going to essentially pick this up and and continue you know just really really solid play for Notre Dame overall you know the idea that there won't be any struggles to me is just a weird is a weird concept and no one's saying that so um, <laughs> Yeah, I, and I, and so I think reiterating this on our podcast is, is good because we I don't want people to think that Notre Dame is going to be this unstoppable force. Maybe they turn into an Alabama. Maybe they turn into a you know to a Clemson level over the last couple of years. And, and 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 we're and we're talking about this you know three years from now on episode you know five hundred of the podcast <laughs> that. You there were no struggles really. And they and and turned into like this national powerhouse, but I don't know. I don't see that, that, I don't see that being the case. Um, Freeman's going to bring recruiting that, that hasn't been here since the Charlie Weiss years or, or even before that. But at the same time, I still think there's going to be hurdles to get kids to come here. And, and I know Freeman has sort of, you know, said that there won't be, but, but he realizes that not every kid is going to understand Notre Dame. And that's that's kind of what his premise was, you know, during his press conference and a lot of the TV shows and stuff like that, that he's been on the national the national appearances that he's, you know, been on over the last uh, couple of days. You know, he said that you have to understand Notre Dame. And so I think because of that, he knows that not every kid is going to understand not, oh, Notre Dame. Not every parent's going to understand Notre Dame and accept Notre Dame. Not every you know coach that he wants to bring in is going to understand and accept Notre Dame for some of those hurdles but what he but what he does think is that some of these kids that they've missed out on and we can talk about some of those names you know there there have been several guys like Will Shipley went to Clemson last year there was a, there was talk you know throughout his entire recruitment um, I think Pete Sampson of the athletics said this several times during his recruitment is that those are the recruiting. Those are the kids that you need to win because they understand Notre Dame. They can, they can excel not only on the field of Notre Dame, but in the classroom at Notre Dame. And he chose Clemson over Notre Dame. I'm not saying Freeman wins out that recruitment per se, but I think we're going to start seeing more of those types of wins on the recruiting trail. Amon Ross St. Brown is another really good example, especially with his brother being being a kid before him that attended Notre Dame.
0: Right, um, and, and Jalen McMillan comes to mind as well. Of exactly. the guy that He straight up said that if Kelly was more involved, I might be at Notre Dame. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's not going to be a problem anymore. So I'm, I'm glad that that, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Freeman, he up and left after the press conference, he's already on a plane to go see some Notre Dame targets tonight. Like, that's, that's crazy. Uh, that, that's the way he's going to – that's the way he rolls. And I hope uh, somebody said, oh, he's going to get burnt out. People are just looking for stuff to complain about. But um, at the moment, he's he's hustling his ass off, and that's the way that he likes to do it. So um, I, I I love it. I love, you know, us being recruiting guys. I love seeing a guy that's going to go in and, get, and go after it. Recruiting isn't for everybody, and I'm sure it is an absolute grind. You're working 24 hours a day, and I didn't really seem like Kelly's thing. Was he good at player development? Yeah. But player development's easier when you bring in four and five stars who don't really need that much development. So, um, yeah, Notre recruiting is going to see an uptick. There's going to be bumps and bruises along the way, but I think the program overall might be better off from what was a, a shocking exit from Brian Kelly.
1: Yeah, and I think um, I don't know if you mentioned this specifically, but it goes back to what Freeman said today. Nobody on his staff is going to out recruit him. He's he's going to bring in guys that our dogs on the trail and, and, and our elite recruiters. Um, he's going to keep guys, um, which is, I think, another point we haven't really brought up the fact that he's essentially kept everybody on staff that he wants. It's
0: huge. huge, um, huge you know, my,
1: uh, kids love Mike Elston. Kids love Tommy Reese. Kids love Lance Taylor. Mike Mickens is probably a future defensive coordinator at Notre Dame or somewhere else. Um, you know, Chris O'Leary and his time here has shown this. I think the recruiting chops as well. Um, you know, Mick, tight ends probably recruit itself. So McNulty's whether or not he's a elite recruiter, he's going to, he's going to seem like one, um, you know, and I think whoever they end up, cause it looks like at this point, uh, Quinn is not going to be asked back. Um, I think that that's fair to say based on everything we've seen and heard. Um, but I, but I think that that's going to be fine. I mean, kind of like tight end, I think offensive lines recruits itself in Notre Dame. So whoever, whoever he brings in is going to be a, a guy that recruits and recruits hard, but no one's going to recruit harder than him. And, that, and and I've said this throughout this entire week. Like, you have a head coach that has that attitude. Your whole staff is going to have that attitude. And I'm happy that he essentially echoed what I was saying. Um, and I, I don't think we're going to have any issues. And I think it was Pete Sampson who said this on the Shamrock. Um, I don't know if you listened to that one, Mason, but it, he, I don't always listen to it, but especially this week I have been, he was like, if Freeman is fired in five years because he just couldn't get it done on the football field, whoever inherits the Notre Dame job after that, whether it's Luke Fickle, maybe it's Tommy Reese, maybe it's, you know, whoever, someone we're not thinking about right now, it's five years is a long time. Whoever inherits that job, you, you know, you're going to get have a loaded roster because Freeman's going to recruit the hell out of everywhere now that he's the head coach. And if Notre Dame's not to where they want to be in five years or Freeman's moving on in five years for other reasons, you know, then, you know, you're going to be inheriting a very, very good roster or talented roster at the very least.
0: And not to mention Freeman already recruiting the guys that are on the team. So I think that it's not even thought about sometimes where you have guys that are iffy, you know, Oh, they could move. Some guys want to move on. They're done with football or they want to pursue a career in the NFL. And there are some guys that can come back to Notre Dame and make this team a playoff. Uh, what do I want to say? Uh, make this roster uh, playoff ready maybe. And guys like the Adam Lolas and maybe potentially Kyron Williams, or do you get anybody back on that defensive line? Do you get, um, do you get Foskey? Do you get, I'm trying to think of other names. Can you get Bo Bauer back? Um, Freeman's already recruiting those guys as well. So, uh, just recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. I love it, and um, he—he's uh, recruiting the future of Notre Dame as well as the as well as the present. And I think that's that's a big thing to know. I, I knew we wanted to get into some of those guys, Nathan.
1: Yeah, no, I mean you said it. I mean, there's going to be obviously trying to recruit some of the guys that you've that, that are on campus. I mean, like you mentioned, Isaiah Foskey, uh, possibly Kyron Williams, Jarrett Patterson um you know the Adam Alola brothers you know everybody I don't really want to get I don't need to we don't need to get into too many names because you've already mentioned them but you know on the on the recruiting trail like you said I mean the staff is already busy um I think they're they're in home with several guys today I don't want to necessarily throw out names just because that is premium content for the most part um but you know you go on 24-7 sports or you sign up for a you know a um you know a subscription there or whatever but you you can get a, a pretty general idea by going on social media or or uh or checking out 24 7 sports who who the, where, where the coaches are going to be um and you know obviously we can we can name some guys that are um that they're probably going to see this week because we know that you know they're guys that are not committed yet or, or on the fence i mean obviously a guy like billy Stroud who they've been in a battle with with wisconsin uh, you know, it's seemingly all cycle, which has been a very weird recruitment. I don't want to get into details on that, but it's just been a very interesting recruitment to say the least. Um, and then you have, you know, obviously uh, Devin Moore recently decommitted from Notre Dame after the Brian Kelly news came out. Um, you know, he's being courted by the SEC and um, Notre Dame. I think that Notre Dame's going in home, you know, over the next couple of days, I would assume so with him and um, you know, hopefully to get him back in the class. Um you know, there's been some talk on a lot of the Notre Dame wide receivers, C.J. Williams, Meriwether, which has been a national story over the last, you know, week or so. That Kelly was in home with him, you know, minutes essentially before the news broke on LSU, and essentially lied to the kid's face, which I think was a, a, the probably the most negative way for him to go out, more so than anything.
0: That's what I can't get out of my head. I I keep bringing that up to people, and I'll forget about it for a while. I'll see the story pop up again. I just don't know. I mean, I know it's a business, but to to you know the the whole burn end story to be eating eating dinner with the kid's family who you're selling Notre Dame to and selling oh you know I'll be here this guy and the other and then you he finds out as soon as you leave that you're gone I just I can't imagine saying that's somebody's face but I mean, I'm not Brian Kelly so right
1: right right um so yeah and obviously Amorian Walker the other wide receiver commit in the class has always been you know somewhat shaky in his recruitment at least from the outside looking in um you know he's been on several visits to Michigan and stuff like that so um keeping this wide receiver class together is a huge deal but you know like again we, we keep talking about Freeman's recruiting chops Tommy Reese I think is a really really solid recruiter in his own right as well so um contrary people on Twitter say otherwise <laughs> yeah the, the Twitter sphere maybe says otherwise um but we don't need to get into that. I mean, me and you have talked to several kids, like we've mentioned. So, um, <laughs> but keeping that class together is, is a big deal. Um, I'm sure Dell Alexander will be involved in some in those in-home visits as well. So, but, yeah, I mean, those are, I mean, Xavier Nwankwa, I don't think Notre Dame is going to land, but who knows, maybe they end up going in-home with him. Kind of the same thing with uh, Anthony Lucas, a, a really, really good defensive, defensive lineman, um, you know, from out, out west as well. Um, He's another kid that I'm sure that they're going to, you know, at least make a a last one last push for. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the the class is essentially locked up overall. I think Um, if you lose a few kids, you know, during this uh, early signing period or they don't sign, then I think you're going to see some maybe some more offers go out. We already saw a new offer go out to a safety today, which could signal the end uh, for for Xavier Nwankpa. Um, and and Notre Dame will certainly, you know, push for this kid, I think, moving forward, and if they can't get him to sign early, they, or if they can't get him to um, commit and sign early, then hopefully they'll at least hold off, or he'll hold off and and sign in February, but a lot, a lot of things are going to happen over the next week or so, I mean, I think there's even a 2023 kid, Justin Rett, who's announcing on Saturday, um, who Notre Dame's heavily involved with as well, so, um, should be an interesting week. I'm not going to sit there and say it's going to be a great week for Notre Dame because you never know how these things end. But I, it will certainly be interesting for Notre Dame recruiting and Notre Dame football.
0: Yeah, and I think we might we might like kind of you mentioned you we might see some names that weren't even thought about before. Um, we you and I keep up with all the names, all the targets, kind of have a decent read on how Notre Dame fares with these guys, but. Uh, you remember like a Kari G situation where he was on nobody's radar and then all of a sudden he's he's in talks with Notre Dame and then signs with Notre Dame like in an instant. It was wild. So kind of hoping for one of those situations just because it's fun to watch and especially when it's a stud player and with all the all the staff turnover, all the big time coaching turnover at programs like Oklahoma and Oregon and USC and all these big time programs that have stud athletes naturally. So are they looking to move on? Uh, it's totally possible. And I, I like the idea of that and Freeman getting his, getting his head in the door a little bit, getting his foot in the door and be like, hey, man, do you want to pursue this thing at Notre Dame where it's a brand new thing? And I don't know if there's more swagger, more attention on a program right now than Notre Dame. That's what everybody's talking about, even though they're not in the playoffs. So um, certainly I'm sure it's appealing to a lot of guys right now.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's also important to realize, I think p- part of it is the staff continuity, you know, with promoting Freeman and getting and getting a lot of the coaching staff to remain, or at least all of the coaching staff as of right now to remain, um, outside of Brian Kelly, of course. But, you know, you saw Oklahoma instantly lose several guys, instantly lose guys to the portal. You saw, you know, today Oregon, I think, lost two of their top top players, Um you know, that were, that were committed in 2022. Um, Miami lost the linebacker immediately after the, after what broke. I mean, Notre Dame did lose Devin Moore with, I think me and you believe that Notre Dame has also a really good chance to, to get him back in the fold. Um, But if they don't end up losing any of these guys, and even then CJ Williams and Maureen Walker, those are the types that were already looking around prior to it you know, you got to give the recruit, not only the staff, but just Notre Dame as a, as a whole. I mean, these kids commit to Notre Dame and then they kind of fall in love with the idea of what Notre Dame can give them post football, I think as well. Um, you know, the idea that Kelly leaving for LSU and the, and the class stays intact, I think is a, a pretty, a pretty, uh, you know, n- nice, uh, nice approval, <laughs> I guess. Um or, or high praise for the university, not just the coaching staff
0: overall. Yeah, the staff sticking together as well is huge. I don't, I, I don't even know which one's bigger. Both, you know, I can't even imagine thinking, you know, seven or ten days ago, whenever this Kelly – it feels like it's been a year um, since this Kelly thing happened. But uh, to say that you keep the staff together, at least the, the guys you wanted, then you keep the both the 2022 and 2023 cycles together so far, besides with, uh, with Devin Moore who – Still a good chance he ends up at Notre Dame. It seemed like it was more of a step back from what I understand, but um, yeah, it's just so crazy to think about, and it's uh, almost a dream scenario where the program is getting better while keeping its its star players, and nobody seemed to want to go with Kelly, which I got a kick out of.
1: Yeah, and then you see, you know, Mike Elston, and I can say this because I'm the one who tweeted it out, so it's not private info. Um, I kind of did my own research on this end, but Mike Elson's down in Texas, or at least was down in Texas earlier today. Um, and the school that he tweeted about was Allen High School, um, which is home to probably the best defensive lineman in the 2023 class and David Hicks, or at least right up there is one of the best defensive linemen. And it just brings like this idea that, you know, you almost wonder if he would have been there if Kelly was still the head coach. I don't know if I want to say that 100% because obviously Freeman would have been the defensive coordinator probably still. But, you know, it, it just brings like this, I think you mentioned in our group chat, like this new era of recruiting just is is really fun so far. And we'll see how it ends up happening. I mean, who knows if they end up landing a kid like David Hicks, but the fact that, that, Elston decided to go down there and I'm sure he'll visit some other Texas players. I know Notre Dame is pretty involved in Texas so far in the 2023 cycle specifically, but you know, that's one of his first stops essentially since, since saying he's going to stay on at Notre Dame and, you know, he could easily be visiting some 2022 guys like, like uh, Tyson Ford or whoever. I don't know exactly who he's gone in home with yet. I know he, I think he was with Gobera last week, but you know, he could easily be, helping with this 2022 class, and he's out there trying to get the best of 2023 already.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I don't know for sure if it would have happened with Kelly, but at the same time, I admire what Elston is doing, and I admire the fact that he wanted to stay and continue this this process and what he seems to really believe in at Notre Dame. He was with Kelly for a long time, and of course, that had to be comfortable, but at the same time, he feels like Nerdham is building something special, it seems, and he wants to be a part of it. And he's a key cog in it as well. That needs to be noted that um, among keeping Freeman, of course, keeping Reese, but then keeping Elston is huge as well as Matt Bayless. The four of those were absolutely vital. And the fact that Notre kept all four is just unbelievable. So uh, Elston's a really big cog in this. He's a hell of a recruiter in his own right. I think Freeman gets a lot of that praise, and, and he should. But at the same time, Elston is the big reason for why, the defensive line plays the way it does why the defensive line uh, recruiting is the way it is why nerding is putting so many defensive linemen into into the league because of a lot of it's because of mike elston so he he's an important role in this and uh, if he can pull off david hicks man uh, i don't even know if that's a name a lot of people are familiar with just because nerding hasn't been necessarily super involved with him but man that's a it's a name you might need to know
1: yeah no certainly and i and there are several other 2023 defensive players that if you don't know their names yet, maybe start getting used to them because so I know there's some, some big name guys that Notre Dame has been after um, that most people knew about, or at least people that follow recruiting, like me and you um, knew about, but start getting used to almost every top target on the Notre Dame board. Cause I think that they're going to make a push or at least try to make a push for, for a lot of those guys. Um, and that, and that includes the offensive side of the ball. Now that Freeman is is involved everywhere um, I know, like we said, I mean, I, we me, and you both believe that the, the Notre Dame offensive staff is, are terrific recruiters as well. Um, but certainly having Freeman as your top dog um, won't hurt when he's
0: going in home or he's talking to a kid on the phone, um, regardless if it's offense or defense. The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930 Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622.
1: Hey, it's Nathan from the Golden Homers here to tell you about meetupvegas.com. Want to eat the same quality meats that the great chefs in Las Vegas use? I got the hookup for you. Delivered straight to your front door meetupvegas.com offers steaks pork chops premium chicken breasts, prime rib you name it check out meetupvegas.com and use code irish10 at checkout to receive ten dollars off your order but before we move on mason i know we want to talk a little bit about oklahoma state and notre dame one thing i really i wanted to kind of bring this up one more time we sort of talked about it earlier about just kind of the energy level around notre dame right now and something that was sort of unexpected. And I mentioned this also with the idea that if you would have told me three months ago, would Notre Dame be in a better place without him than with him? And I would have said no. But what, it's, it's weird. I, I, I think I believe now more than ever, and I think you'll like this quote from me, Uh-oh. I believe now more than ever that Notre Dame was maxed out under Brian Kelly. Kelly did everything he could do to win Notre Dame a national championship. Maybe there was a little bit more he could do because he only had Freeman on staff for one year, but Notre Dame was maxed out under Brian Kelly. I don't believe that Notre Dame is maxed out as a university and as a football program as a whole. So I think right now, I believe now more than I ever have in my lifetime and you know me, I'm an optimist. So the fact that I'm saying this, I think, you know, is even, is even more, (laughs) more so. I believe now more than ever that Notre Dame can compete for national championships because of the kids that they're going to be bringing in under Marcus Freeman. And I think that's where this idea of Kelly brought stability, Kelly brought this, you know, 30, 40 years of coaching that Freeman doesn't have. But there was an upside that Notre Dame peaked at, essentially. So that's another way to say it is if Notre Dame peaked and hit their ceiling with Kelly. I think the ceiling is higher with Marcus Freeman.
0: Well, yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a compliment to to Kelly as well. Right. So it's not, you know, it's been the topic of the week to kind of shit on Brian Kelly for that. We need to, the next topic needs to be the whole fake accent thing. But um, Brian Kelly did a lot of great things for this program and him being an older guy, he, he wanted a new challenge and he brought this program to heights that many didn't think it could get to. He deserves a ton of credit for that. But at the same time, he's older and, maybe Notre Dame, or people saw Notre Dame as this, you know, this older program, which I guess it kind of is, where, you know, this old guy's coaching, now there's this new swagger around it, and I like the the energy that that they're, like, kind of promoting right now with with Freeman, and just this whole energy around the program, and, but yeah, before I forget, that whole Kelly accent thing, dude, I can't get over, I listened to that clip so many times, and um, I don't want to ruin John's intro for the Always Irish show, but Nathan, I don't know if you got that video, he sent it to me last night, and that whole family thing, that just blew my mind. He People went into the, some deep dive journalism talking about uh, or finding clips from him on press conferences saying family like a person that was born and raised in Massachusetts would. And, man, I, I don't know if it's a natural thing when you're somewhere, but he uh, anything. if you made a checklist of all the things you could do to, to rub your former school and your former fan base the wrong way, he, he nailed just about all of them.
1: I did not receive that video, so I'm gonna have, to have another talk with John because it seems like me- I gotta forward it to you. Me and him are beefing a little bit right now, I guess, because yeah, you are Georgia Tech game and now he doesn't send me videos and stuff. So
0: you'll see uh, it on his <laughs> intro. I don't know which video he's planning it for, I don't know, but he said it to me last night and I thought it was very really funny. Well, John, if you you're listening, you're no
1: longer invited on this podcast.
0: I don't know if he listens to it, so he, uh, he might. Anyways, but so yeah, what do you
1: think? <laughs> so he's that? told me he's told me he does so, and I'm he knows I'm messing. With him. But. I, I uh, will with the whole Brian
0: Kelly thing. I
1: I didn't. I thought it was more funny than anything. Like the memes and stuff like that that have come from it are are funny. It doesn't really bother me that much that he did it. I mean, I will say like I've I've absolutely been talking to like a southern person before, or you know somewhere from you know someone with a different accent than me, and like I find myself almost accident accidentally using an accent you know, in the past, but with the way Kelly did it, it was a little bit different because it wasn't like he was speaking to someone directly. He was speaking to a crowd that, and he wasn't having a conversation where I think it sometimes could just slip on accident. Um, or you just start hearing something and your voice just says what you, what you're, what you're thinking or whatever, who knows. But, but I, I do think it's more funny than anything. And people that are getting all worked up about it, it is just like, just enjoy the memes and, and stop worrying about Brian Kelly so much.
0: I do enjoy the memes. I, I think it's been funny that the whole the whole fan base can rally around not only the excitement of Freeman, but a kind of rallying around the I guess the hate for Brian Kelly. I don't necessarily take it that far. A lot of people are, but he is making himself out to be a little bit of a joke at this point with the stories that are that are coming out and the uh, <laughs> the whole family thing. And uh, I'm sure LSU is promoting a lot of the stuff, but it's making him it's not making him look great in their name's eyes. Not that he cares at all, apparently, but. Um, yeah, I think it is funny, and uh, I don't get too wrapped up in the memes. I enjoy them, but yeah, it's uh, I'm excited to put them in the rearview mirror. I want to see Notre Dame schedule at LSU, though. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, no, and for, I like I love how Freeman was asked that earlier too. I think it was on the Dan Patrick Show, or yeah, I heard he was asked something. It was one of the two, but it was earlier today, and he said he'll let Jack Jack Swarbrick handle that. But, um, and then another funny one. I don't know if you saw this, but our our, our buddy Greg uh, Flamong. Um, if, if Kelly ended up going to USC he had been, uh, the funny SNL skit um, from a few years back that I, that I found hilarious Hilarious. If, if Kelly would have spoken like that it would have been funny like the whole like surfer dude. Um, saw bra come to USC man? So it would have been it, that would have been funny too if, if Kelly uh, all of a sudden has a new accent for every every location he ends up at.
0: He should just lean into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. it's his bit now.
0: It has to be these kind of things. You can't, when you try to defend it, it makes it worse. So you might as well just lean into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So obviously getting into this a little, we will obviously um, do get into a little bit more of Oklahoma state as we get closer to the game. And it's only as we record this podcast, December 6th, um, Notre Dame just found out their opponent yesterday. Um, And it's going to be Oklahoma state in the Fiesta bowl um, down, down in Phoenix. On New Year's Day, Um, you know, obviously Oklahoma State is the team that lost on championship weekend, that gave Notre Dame fans hope. um, You know, with the idea that we could possibly make the college football playoff, and then everything ended up going chalk. Besides the one other matchup we needed, which was the Georgia-Alabama game. Um, However, I'm starting to believe that if Georgia would have ended up pulling that out at the end somehow, that Alabama would have been kept would have would have been left in simply because it was a close game. Whether I believe that that should have been the case or not, um, with with I was Georgia. I'm starting to believe Georgia probably needed to blow out Bama or at least win convincingly enough to uh, to keep them out. But overall, I, uh, um, you know, overall we, you know, I, I don't really have any arguments for how every, with that, with the way everything played out. It, it was it would have been hard to have Notre Dame in the college football playoff, and I think they were properly placed. No,
0: I agree, but it's just hard for me to like It's it just been stuck in my head because I was watching the game live with you know, with my family, everybody's Notre Dame fans or whatever. And, um, if that Auburn running back at Tank Bigsby or whatever, if he slides in bounds or the that's the Auburn, the Auburn running back, if he slides down in bounds, then this is a completely different scenario. Notre Dame is probably in. Do
1: you think so, though? Like, do you think if they lose to Auburn and then beat Georgia the way they did, that, they, that they're left out? Because now, I mean, I don't know. I don't I know if they can that same that. fire. I don't
0: know if they yeah, can that that's same
1: fire. That's fair. Yeah, that's I think that's the main point there. He's like, do they beat Georgia if they lose the Auburn? I think that's probably what where where you kind of have to spin it. But I don't know, man. Like I I've been the biggest like no two loss team should be allowed over Notre Dame should be Me allowed too. over, you know, whoever. But but I'm starting to believe that at least, I don't know if there's an SEC bias, but I do think there's somewhat of an Alabama bias, if that makes any sense. Um, just with you know how dominant they've been as a program over the last decade um, under under Nick Saban. So the idea of them losing to Auburn in a close game on the road, their biggest rival, so on and so forth. I could see how the committee could spin that as a whatever loss. And then they go out and beat the team that everybody thought should go win, would win the national championship this year in Georgia um you know now I've, i would probably bet money that alabama is gonna is the is the team that's favored to win the, the national championship so
0: that's just so crazy. auburn had their backup quarterback that couldn't even walk i mean i don't know I alabama they're sure they're they're good they always are but they're not an up to uh they're not excused from like a a bad game here and there and you've seen that you know they should have lost twice now and I I don't subscribe to the idea of, of two team of two lost team in the playoff. You have to win your games, and the games need to matter. But I do think there is an SEC bias. But if you're Alabama, I get you've earned that by winning so many championships and just being dominant over the last decade or so. So I, I get that too. It is what it is. Uh, it's frustrating. But um, I was talking to somebody at, at work about this today. That you know, if Notre Dame got in, it was going to be probably the four seed. So say it was George Alabama, do you really want the first game in Marcus Freeman's tenure? Not that it would be an no automatic loss. Everything would definitely stand a chance in that game, but more than likely it'd be, you know, probably eight or, eight or 10 point underdog, probably lose. So do you really want him to, to have that as his first game? And then you go into next season playing Ohio State at the big house, potentially go uh, 0-2 to start his coaching career wouldn't necessarily be ideal. I actually
1: just playing on the devil's advocate here.
0: I would have. You're so good at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would have loved that. And here's my reasoning behind it: if he ends up winning one of those games, preferably the, the one this year, because obviously you know next year's completely different team, whatever, so on and so forth. It's on the road, whatever. If he goes out in his first game as a head coach, or at least his first game as the acting head coach for Notre Dame, um, and beats Alabama or beats Georgia instead of beating Michigan or Cincinnati, which Notre Dame could absolutely do, they've done that, you know, obviously they've beaten those caliber of teams during the Brian Kelly era. If they go out and beat a Georgia or, a, or an Alabama, then all of a sudden the, the, the flip just scripts, or, the, or the, 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 yeah, the script just flips. And, the, there's the, there, and it kind of proves our point about the upside of Notre Dame under a different coach.
0: Um, and he surpasses over. Kelly's legacy in one game,
1: right? Exactly. And then there's, and if he doesn't do it, then it's a very easy, like, okay, well, this Notre Dame team probably didn't deserve to be in the playoff from a talent standpoint, anyway. And it was his first, his first time ever coaching as a head coach, so I don't think people would have been down on him for losing. And and I think you know there's there's been this talk this week as well with just the idea of the of the team being super up for the. The New Year Six Bowl, which not a lot of teams are. Usually, that fifth that team that ends up fifth is super pissed they didn't make the college football playoff. And this this Notre Dame squad doesn't seem to, to have that approach. Partly because they probably didn't feel like they deserved it based on what happened on championship weekend. It was just kind of accepted. Okay, we're not getting in. There wasn't like a Bama losing, like we just talked about, and then Bama getting in ahead of them where they could be pissed off. And then like, oh, we don't really want to play play this you know Oklahoma State team. Right. You know, in the Fiesta Bowl. So I think it it, it, it was either going to be really good. They win the game and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, OK, we're we're in a new era of Notre Dame football. Or it was going to be like, you know, it was his first his first time
0: ever, you know, ever being a head
1: coach. And he lost to the best team in the country. Like OK, so be it.
0: Yep, I'm with you. I like that idea, too. I, I just saw that uh, on a thread on Twitter today and I thought it was interesting for sure.
1: So, how are you feeling a little bit? I mean, I'm probably going to, I'm trying, I think I'm going to try to end up going to the Fiesta Bowl. It's only like it's a quick four or five hour drive away from me. Um, I've been to that area um, several times. I've, I've, I've seen the, the Bears play the Cardinals in that stadium. Um, the, uh, you know, a lot of their, a lot of the Phoenix arenas are, are you know, are down in that area. And it's a really cool area to be. Um, and being a West Coast guy, it's, it's, like I said, a really easy drive. So, I'm going to try to make it up. Um, I know there's already been some Notre Dame fans contacting me about if I am going just because they they know where I live and stuff like that. Um, I think our buddy um, Brian Driscoll at at Irish Breakdown is going to be down there and he's going to do sort of an Irish Breakdown tailgate of sorts or or meetup. Our our other buddy Danny Cunningham, I think, is is thinking about going as well. So I think I'm going to try to get out there. Um, It'd be cool to see Notre Dame possibly win their first New Year's Six Bowl you know, since the nineties or whatever it is. Um, And again, I think that's another narrative that can be flipped um, with Marcus Freeman at the helm. You know, you're not being Alabama or something like that, but it would be funny to see in his first head coaching or for his first, his first game as a head coach and him kind of just taking that narrative and shoving it down people's throats or people's throats. So.
0: Yeah, I would love that. Uh, I might, uh, We'll see. Uh, I looked into flights to the Arizona area, and they're they're not bad. So that might be something I try to do as well. The tickets weren't horrible either, from what I saw yesterday. About 150 bucks for a night for a decent seat. So uh, you just gotta fly down to Vegas
1: and then drive down with me. That's what you gotta
0: do. That could be an option too. So uh, yeah, that might be something I. uh, I (laughs) my birthday's coming up, so maybe that'll be my birthday gift.
1: There you go. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're going to probably preview that game earlier. I mean, one of the things that we know about Oklahoma State is the idea that they're a um, really good defensive team, which is sort of a, a different narrative for them as well. I mean, usually the, the Big 12 in general is known as offense, 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 no defense. I mean, Oklahoma's always been that way, at least under Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, But this year you have two teams in Baylor and Oklahoma State that are are known for their defense. Um, it showed, I think, in the big in the Big 12 championship. I mean, you know, Baylor was moving the ball early on, but then in that second half, you're like, oh, okay, here's why Oklahoma State's so good on D. Um, and then obviously Baylor with with coach uh, you know Dave Aranda, they're they're obviously gonna always be a good defensive team as long as he's at the helm, I think. Um, so this I think this will be a good test uh, for Notre Dame overall. I mean, I think that they could easily get in the head of the um, what's his name is it spencer sanders i think that's right yeah i think it's spencer sanders their their quarterback i mean you saw him throw four interceptions against baylor um i think notre dame's defense overall is probably better than baylor this year and you saw how easily he could get rattled um so with that i think that it could be an interesting game especially if someone like kyle hamilton plays um and then i and then i don't think that i mean even though their defense is good I do think that they showed, at least in the last couple of weeks, that they are vulnerable. I mean, Oklahoma put up 33. Probably should have put up more on them. Um, Baylor, like I said, looked really good in the first half. So um, I think there's an argument to be made that this is the best team that either team has played um, this year, and it will make for uh, a really interesting matchup on on New Year's Day.
0: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And I, uh, I didn't get to watch that game. I didn't realize that he threw four picks, but um, I did hear, I saw some tweets that, that he did seem kind of rattled in that game and that shows with four picks. And it's got me thinking that you, Notre Dame fans travel as well as anybody does. So if, if, the, if the Irish fans show out in Arizona and really pack that stadium as they usually do, uh, I can imagine it being pretty loud and, and rattling a guy that might be known for, known for being rattled if that, uh, if that becomes kind of a narrative.
1: Yeah, and I think outside of Georgia, there's an argument to be made that Notre Dame has the best defensive line. Um, in college football, or at least it's right up there with some of the other really good teams. Um, you know, obviously with Isaiah Foskey coming off the edge, you have Jason Amalella, Kurt Heinish, you know, MTA, um, you know, kind of holding down the middle of, of the defensive line. Um, and like I said, if Kyle Hamilton plays, and that's even that's even better, um, Freeman wouldn't say if he was or wasn't or didn't, didn't know for sure if he would play. I'm assuming we'll probably find that out here relatively soon. Um, I'm sure Hamilton will put out some sort of announcement, but but he also mentioned his health. I mean, who knows if he's actually 100% healthy? Kel- Kelly mentioned it as a as a uh, a six-week injury, and that he would 100% play if if it was a college football playoffs. So you assume that you know he's healthy enough to play, but at the same time, he does have a, a long career in the NFL ahead, and you know someone who's going to make a lot of money uh, this next draft. So it'd be hard to blame him if he sat out
0: yeah and I've seen people you know talking both ways really but you can't blame him at all if he does decide to sit out I know that you know I'm sure he wants to play with everybody but at the same time I mean I know he's healthy but you saw what happened to Jalen Smith and he was never really the same after I'm not saying that's guaranteed to happen because certainly not but at the same time even putting a chance to be we think he's probably a top five pick if not top three pick at, at risk for something that won't Win Notre Dame a national championship seems crazy to me, but at the same time, he's built these relationships with these guys over the last three years, and I'm sure he wants to go out on a on a better note than you know a freak slide into the sideline against USC. So I, I totally get it either way. Obviously, I would love to see him suit up in the blue and gold again, but at the same time, totally understood if he if he doesn't. And uh, I'm hoping to to see him get drafted to a team that could really use him. And excited to to watch him show out on Sundays.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's hard to blame. It's hard to blame a kid if he leaves, I mean, especially with his, like, you know, he's gone after this year, you know, he's going to be a top, you know, I mean, top five, top 10 pick, whatever, as long as his medicals come back. Okay. So it, like, like you mentioned, it's hard to blame him. Um, but like I said, guys, we wanted to just bring you some, you know, we, we haven't talked in front of the mic here over the last you know week or so. Um, and we just wanted to get some analysis for you guys in regards to the, to the Freeman era and, um, and Notre Dame's bowl game, and, and so on and so forth. But uh, one thing that we are going to start bringing to the table that we talked about is doing Twitter spaces once a week as well. Um, I'm going to see if I can find a way to do that where we can record that at the same time and put it out as a podcast um, for anybody that misses it. Um, but it's just another way that me and myself and Mason want to promote our podcast and, and get info out to you guys, um, you know, and and do so live as well. Because some of you, you know, are on Twitter, like, like myself and Mason are, um, essentially all day. <laughs> and so yeah, seeing a Twitter spaces and just being able to kind of listen to some content in and there and not have to wait for a podcast the next day or the next week or whatever, um, you know, it's fun. So that's one thing we want to start bringing your guys's way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some more stuff that comes out over the next week and we'll certainly get on, uh, on the pod again soon and, and, and get you guys some more, uh, detailed info on the Notre Dame coaching staff if there's anything that develops there Notre Dame recruiting and certainly the Notre Dame bowl game against Oklahoma State
0: yeah and let us know uh, in the comments or you know wherever you see this if you have us on Twitter or any social media let us know uh, what your thoughts are on the Twitter spaces uh, the, the idea was to get you guys involved and um, we don't have necessarily the premium info that a guy like Tom Loy or somebody like that does but at the same time we we can provide analysis we have a decent insight into uh, some recruits some battles stuff like that and we'd love to be able to answer your questions live for anybody that does uh, take the time to listen to us we do appreciate it and anything to just drive up engagement we love talking to people you know there's plenty of people that comment on our twitter stuff all the time and that's something i look forward to really is just the chatter around the around the program and we both have built a decent following doing that so yeah feel free to join us on twitter spaces we will be sure to promote that as soon as we lock down a date and uh, let you know when that all will be happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, look out for that later this week. Like I said, maybe we'll do it after some sort of recruiting news or, or something like that hits later this week. Because I think there's going to be some stuff happening um, just with how close we are to, to the early signing period. And I know, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Justin Rett, um, who's a big Notre Dame target. I think he's committing on Saturday. Um, and Notre Dame is in his top group. And I think, Uh, Notre Dame has a really good shot with him so um, again look out for spaces and then we will uh, we'll be with you guys next week on the Golden Homers podcast as well have a good one guys